0: Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
1: By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty. Their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at VortexOptics.com.
0: And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at QuestNatureTours.com.
1: And UDO Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. VideoBooks.com.
0: Good morning. Welcome to our show number 895. As we've been doing, a reminder again about the suffering in Ukraine and just another reminder about how to help if you'd like to do it One good way through the International Rescue Committee at rescue.org. We have a new avian audio postcard to listen to this morning. It's from Dawn Wilson reporting from a national park out in the Centennial State, a.k.a. Colorful Colorado.
1: Hi, this is Dawn Wilson. I'm here in Rocky Mountain National Park in northern Colorado. Watching a lot of the baby birds that are just getting ready to fledge. We've got some nests of house wrens, tree swallows. Oh, the mother just arrived at the tree swallow nest. I've also seen some robins and some northern flickers. I know in this area there are some turkeys that had some babies this year as well as... I just heard some a red-tailed hawk, so I'm curious to see if they have a nest in the area too. So... I hope everybody has a great day birding, and I'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you, Dawn. Uh, if we haven't done it yet, we'll get a picture of that tree swallow visiting the nest there that Dawn has uh, taken. And by the way, uh, Dawn is not only an intrepid birder, she is also an amazing nature photographer. In fact, she's past president of the North American Nature Photography Association and co-host of the Nature Photographer podcast. And if you want to see some really fantastic bird and nature photos, uh, her website is definitely worth checking out. It's dawnwilsonphotography.com, D-A-W-N, dawnwilsonphotography.com. Well, we'll stick with Colorado for a little bit longer here by thanking our good friends, Kevin and Roxanne Reardon from Louisville, Colorado, who sent us a note about a very rare bird sighting out their way. That is not Kevin doing some two-finger typing. We hear he's an excellent typist. That is the bird. It's a tiny, elusive marsh dweller that's considered to be one of the hardest of all birds to see. It's the yellow rail. And a sighting of it was just reported in Colorado for the first time in more than 100 years According to the Colorado Sun, the bird, which was first spotted at the Monte Vista Wildlife Refuge on July 12th, has, I guess not surprisingly, not been photographed, although the Cornell Lab's rare bird alert system has logged a couple dozen recordings of the bird's call. There it is. Maybe that is Kevin typing. Well, one of our favorite festivals, Tucson Audubon's Southeast Arizona Birding Festival, is taking place from August 10th through the 14th. Among the presenters and special invitees are superstar birder and author Rick Wright, BirdMentor.com's Christy Dranginis, conservation biologist Jenny McFarland, and BirdAbility founder Virginia Rose. The great festival and details on it can be found at tucsonaudubon.org. That's tucsonaudubon.org. A little bird flu update. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, released a new avian flu update this week. But the latest information within that update was issued on the 5th of May, more than three months ago. So it seems reasonable to conclude there isn't much new. Folks are still advised to stay clear of any bird carcasses found in the wild, while experts continue to say that it's still okay to feed backyard birds, which don't seem to have been affected by the current strain of avian flu. That pretty intriguing sound is that of our Mystery Bird. This is a preview of our Mystery Bird contest. A little reminder here, if you're not hearing our show live and would like to, so you could enter a future Mystery Bird contest, just go to TalkingBirds.com. Click on the Listen button and see how easy it is to listen uh, uh, wherever you are in the or on, on the actual planet. Our Mystery Bird. This is a preview of the contest coming along in just a bit. Some clues include these. Our Mystery Bird is a songbird of Damp, deciduous forests with tawny brown upper parts, a buff-colored chest and throat, rather faint reddish-brown spots, a grayish-white belly, pale legs and feet, and dark eyes. Our bird, which feeds mostly on insects and other invertebrates during the breeding season, mostly fruit in late summer and fall, breeds across southern Canada and much of the northern half of the U.S. in winters in South America. There's kind of something interesting about that breeding territory. We'll talk about that um, after the contest. There's the sound again. Our prizes include from classic brands the ever popular Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder, which attaches securely to your window and provides an unobstructed view visiting birds. Plus a 12 ounce bag of bird friendly, shade grown, certified organic, fair trade and delicious birds and beans coffee. If there's time for our bonus question, we'll also try to give away a $20 certificate for Wisdom Supply. Those are the folks that make those plastic free books and notepads and journals and other supplies for classroom and office. All part of the Mystery Bird Contest coming along a little bit later in this morning's show. Meanwhile, out back here, out in the Talking Birds Garden, we're starting something that we modestly call the Milkweed Project. That's right, it's a small project with a big intro. So why Milkweed Well, I say a small project. Our part of it is very small, but uh, it's a big, big project elsewhere, all over, in fact. So why milkweed? Well, the migratory monarch butterfly subspecies was recently added to the International Union for Conservation of Nature, IUCN, Red List of Threatened Species as Endangered. Not surprisingly, the reasons for the population decline include habitat destruction, and fragmentation, increased pesticide use, and a changing climate. The National Wildlife Federation also points out that the growing popularity among gardeners of non-native plants like tropical milkweed and surprisingly maybe butterfly bush is also a problem because these plants don't support a healthy and full migratory monarch butterfly life cycle. So how can we regular folks help? The National Wildlife Federation says just plant some native milkweed and companion nectar plants outside your home and encourage others to do the same. Key word there being native associated with milkweed. So what we did here is we got some native monarch-friendly plants through the National Wildlife Federation's Garden for Wildlife site, and we'll be planting them after the show today, in our Talking Birds garden. and Here's the address for anyone who'd like to get some of these plants for butterflies and to learn a whole lot more in the process. It's gardenforwildlife.com. That's gardenforwildlife.com. So we like butterflies and lots of other things around here. One thing we don't like is plastic straws. There's not much good to say about them and a lot of bad things like the simple fact that we generally use them one time for a few minutes and then throw them away, and the fact that they're not recyclable, so they end up in landfills and incinerators and in our parks and on our roadsides, and they make their way into our rivers and lakes and streams and oceans and pollute our environment where they may persist for more than 200 years. Plastic straws can sicken and kill seabirds, fish, sea turtles, manatees, dolphins, and other animals when they get lodged in their noses and throats and stomachs. And as plastic straws are exposed to sunlight and waves and wind in the ocean, they begin to break down into smaller pieces called microplastics, tiny particles that can infiltrate the bodies of all living things, including humans. In fact, they're doing that right now. And a new study suggests that there are already more bits of plastic in our oceans than there are stars in our galaxy. In other words, hundreds of billions of them. So we have some good news, though, about this, and that is that there are increasingly more good alternatives to plastic straws, including the old-fashioned paper ones. So it leads to our conservation interesting development of the week. An NBC News story describes how non-plastic straws are making inroads, with companies now making straws out of steel, glass, silicone, bamboo, hay, grass, seaweed, flour, pasta, and yes, straw. In fact, there's a company that focuses on using that material. Their website is strawbystraw.com. Meanwhile, other companies have popped up with straws made with plastics that are at least, allegedly, compostable and biodegradable. So will we see the end of the plastic straw soon? For the sake of birds, fish, turtles, manatees, dolphins, humans, and our planet? Let's hope so. Well, new installments of a couple of our favorite publications have been announced. One is the Birding Community E-Bulletin a marvelous online publication created by our friends Wayne Peterson and Paul Basich. Just do a search for the name Birding Community Bulletin to find it. And if you subscribe, you can get the new August edition just out, and subscribing is free. The new edition offers a list of rare bird sightings around the country, a rare bird mystery, a review of a new book about vagrancy in birds, A report on the status of a very important place for birds, the Great Salt Lake, which sadly is being referred to these days as the Great Shrinking Lake. Many other important and fascinating stories there in the new edition of the Birding Community eBulletin. Also just released the online version of the latest Bird Observer magazine edition. It's based here in New England, but includes features of interest uh, to you or regardless of where you are and easily found at birdobserver.org. That's birdobserver.org. So what we try to do around here is get the word out about the wonder of birds and the importance of conservation, and our ambassadors are folks who help us do that. We send them cards, they hand them out, and we get the word out there. And thank you to Bianca B. from Boise, Idaho who says she's kind of partial to our mystery bird contest. Thank you, Bianca. We hope you will call in and win sometime. And Azir Serinus from Houston, Texas. Azir says, I love the show and listen to podcasts on Spotify every morning. Wow. I need to catch a live show. Hope you will, Azir. Maybe you'll call in on the mystery bird contest. Azir also says, and I am a hobbyist animator and was wondering if I was allowed to make any cartoon visuals using any previous Ask Mike segments or featured Feathered Friend audio. Well, we were honored to give a thumbs up to Azir's idea, and uh, we'll look forward to getting a look at some of them. Thank you, Azir. And uh, speaking of ambassadors, here's here's another one describing why he became one.
1: My name is Dylan Bartles and I'm calling from Orange City, Iowa. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I really value conservation and agriculture and birds and anything that has to do with informing other people about those subjects. I think that by being a Talking Birds ambassador, I can do my part in helping spread the word about the good that birds provide for us. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, click on the contact button, and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks.
0: Well, still to come on our show today, we'll cruise to Cape Cod for a Let's Ask Mike live segment with Mike O'Connor of the famous Birdwatcher's General Store. And uh, I think he'll answer a question. Are there alternate foods at your feeder for hummingbirds you know, instead of just the usual, um, you know, sugar water? And up next, five fascinating phalarope facts in our featured Feathered Friend segment presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century bird watching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Stay tuned for five fascinating phalarope facts about our featured feathered friend, the Wilson's phalarope. A slender shore bird with a long, thin bill, a distinctive white eyebrow, and flashy white, black, and chestnut coloring that's reflected in its scientific name, Phalaropus tricolor. Fact number one. The plumage of the female Wilson's warbler is usually brighter than that of the male. That leads us to fact number two. At breeding time, it's the female Wilson's phalarope that does the chasing. And fact number three, it's the male who sits on the nest to incubate the eggs, while the female leaves the scene to find a new mate. Fact number four is that when phalaropes spin on the water to bring food up to the surface from below, some go clockwise. Some go counterclockwise, but no individual goes in both directions. And fact number five, Wilson's phalarope chicks can swim one hour after hatching. And here's one more fascinating phalarope fact, courtesy of the Sibley Guide to Bird Life and Behavior. At migration time, Wilson's phalaropes can add as much as 55% of their body mass in fat. In fact, they sometimes get so fat they can't walk. Fortunately, they can fly, although from the water they need a long runway for takeoff. Of the three phalarope species in North America, the Wilsons is the one most likely to be seen from shore, on mudflats and on marshes and ponds. And here in late summer, migrating Wilsons phalaropes put on quite a show as huge flocks gather on salty lakes in the west. The Wilsons phalarope. Phalaropus tricolor. Today's Talkin' Birds featured Feathered Friend. Welcome again to our show, number 895. Our website is TalkinBirds.com. There's no G in talking. No G in there. And we're uh, about to move on to uh, something else here next on our show. We're just trying to remember what that would be, and I think it would be Let's Ask Mike. That would be Mike O'Connor down there at the uh, Bird Watchers General Store on Cape Cod. topic is... Hummingbirds at your feeder. Let's ask Mike live in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1 800 4 Vortex or visit VortexOptics.com. Did, did somebody say, Let's Ask Mike who was up next? That, that, was, that was not correct. Actually, it's our Mystery Bird contest uh, that is up next, and it's up right now, in fact. And there's that uh, Mystery Bird. It's a songbird of damp deciduous forests with tawny brown upper parts. A buff-colored chest and throat, rather faint reddish-brown spots, a grayish-white belly, pale legs and feet, and dark eyes. Our bird, which feeds mostly on insects and other invertebrates during breeding season, and mostly fruit in late summer and fall, breeds across southern Canada and much of the northern half of the U.S. and winters in South America. Some clues there in the sound of our mystery bird. And um, prizes include, from classic brands, the ever-popular Droll Yankees Observer Window Feeder, which attaches securely to your window and provides an unobstructed view of visiting birds. That's a wonderful feeder. And a 12-ounce bag of some wonderful coffee. It's bird-friendly, shade-grown, certified organic, fair trade, and delicious birds and beans coffee. Prizes and clues in the sound of our mystery bird, and the all-important number to call is 781-837-4900. We always urge you to call as soon as possible, so we'll have time for our contest and maybe our bonus question. If we get to that quickly enough, we'll do the bonus question and try to give away another prize. 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781 837 And up next, for real this time, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. O Books carries one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. New, used, and rare books covering everything from backyard birding to general ornithology, from field guides to photography skills, biography, fiction, and humor. You'll find it all, along with the knowledgeable customer service you've been looking for, in one convenient place books.com B-U-T-E-O. Butteobooks.com.
1: Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. This winter, join us in Trinidad and Tobago, a tropical birding hotspot, or go beyond the beaches in the DR. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talkin' Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit questnaturetours.com today. Birds and much more guaranteed.
0: Mike O'Connor down there on beautiful Cape Cod in the famous Bird Watchers General Store and I don't know Mike I have some notes here that don't seem to be quite right a few times this morning. Is this correct it says you have brown pelicans nesting in your backyard?
1: Is yeah, that, oh yeah, yeah. Huh? We, we sell the we sell the nest boxes too if you want to buy a couple. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Well, you did have um, uh, green herons nesting in your backyard. Still got. We did
1: uh, have green her- yeah. herons. It was cool. Now the pelicans being spotted, though, not in my backyard. Not
0: in your yard. Yeah, sorry, but there's,
1: there's, that's kind of a, that's kind of a treat for this far north. So yeah, we're, everybody's excited about that.
0: Yeah. Anybody heading to Cape Cod, Truro, there on the on the lower Cape or the Outer Cape, uh, whichever you want to call it, is uh, where that bird was spotted. But you want to talk about something much smaller. Uh, this morning that would be hummingbirds and I
1: hummingbird, guess hummingbirds yeah hummingbirds go ahead no,
0: no, I I, I talk over you, no, no, you not, sure no, no, we, we talk, talk over each other it's only fair <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that, so the idea that uh, maybe there's an alternate thing to feed hummingbirds I mean of course flowers as you pointed out is, is probably the best thing but at your feeder do we just use the sugar and water or are there other things?
1: Well there's other things that people talk about yeah um, for sure, and um and here here on on the, on the Cape, but other places, people don't like white sugar that's always been yeah. bad, so they said no, it's not good for people, so they assume it's not good for birds, so mm-hmm. they want these alternatives, they're not happy offering birds uh uh, uh, white sugar and they get all nervous about that so they consider considered these alternatives but it turns out the alternatives are really aren't a better choice you know they did that natural sugar the organic sugar you know it's kind of brown uh, my mother used to use it my uncle used to call it sand because it was all crunchy and kind of a dull looking mm. thing but it turns out that that extra brown has molasses on it, which makes it a little sweeter. But it's not good for the birds. Molasses has high iron content, and the iron's not good for hummingbirds. So even natural organic sugar, which sounds like it should be good, no, don't use that. That's mm-hmm. that's not really that's not really good. The other thing is people like honey, honey delicious honey, which is a good food and it keeps forever. So that's a good thing to, to offer. They thought maybe it would be good for birds. Turns out when you dilute the honey, when you make it weaker, the to put into your formula for a hummingbird mixture for your feeder when it's diluted it, it forms a fungus and again mm-hmm. the fungus isn't good for birds so take honey out you, you can eat it when you have a sore throat but don't put it for the birds because it ends up with a fungus that's no good some people who don't have sugar in the house they use the powdered sugar you know like confectionery sugar which is kind of fun but that has cornstarch in it cornstarch mm-hmm. that's not good for the birds don't use that the other thing, maple syrup, which, which seems like would be a good idea, and it may be because birds in nature will go to a, a, a maple tree that's got a, a wound or a scar, and the maple syrup's dripping out milk. They'll, they'll drink that. So that's probably okay, although we're not sure what the exact mixture should be. But more importantly is maple sh- syrup costs like $40 a gallon, where white sugar is about $0.90 cents a pound. Oh. So maple syrup may be okay if you know what you're doing, but it's just too expensive. Go with the plain white sugar, the plain, boring, four-to-one ratio. You take a cup of water, hot water. Some you know, people argue all day whether to boil it or not. I don't. Other people say don't. Other people say do. That's not an issue. The issue is just plain white sugar, a cup of hot water, a little white sugar. Mix it in. It's, it's always a four-to-one ratio load it up, don't put any food coloring in it, and change
0: it often, and it'll be awesome. All right, so there are alternatives, but you don't necessarily want to actually use them. Is the yeah, the things.
1: alternative, but no good. Stick with the boring one yeah. that everybody owes for
0: years. And the other advice is to take honey out, because honey will appreciate it if you, uh, <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> That's right. All right, thanks, Mike, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, sounds good. Yep. Back Bye. to the Mystery Bird contest right after this. Every Wednesday, Birdwatching Magazine sends an e-newsletter full of information of interest to birdwatchers, including recent news stories about birds' conservation and science, photography tips, stories about places to go birding, bird ID tips, and much more. Best of all, the newsletter is free. Sign up today at birdwatchingdaily.com slash newsletter. There's that mystery bird. What an intriguing-sounding bird. Many people think it's a little... Creepy sounding. Other people think it's really beautiful. In any case, it is our mystery bird, a songbird of damp, deciduous forests, with tawny brown upper parts, a buff-colored chest and throat, rather faint reddish-brown spots of grayish-white belly, pale legs and feet, and dark eyes. What is that bird at 781-837-4900? Dory is somewhere in New York. Good morning, Dory.
1: Hi, good morning. Good
0: morning. Is that city or upstate or whereabouts? You like um to say? in Westchester
1: County.
0: Westchester County, New York. In
1: Rybrook, yeah.
0: All right, Rybrook. All right. What do you think, uh, Dory on that mystery bird that you just heard there? Is it a veery? Uh is it a veery? Well, yes, it is, matter of fact. Yes. Not a vireo for new listeners. Not a vireo, but a veery. a member of the thrush family, pretty similar to wood thrush and hermit thrush and Swainson's thrush. I mentioned that thing, by the way, Dory, about uh, this bird breeding, or wintering, that is, in South America. It was thought for a long time that it wintered all across the northern part of South America, but a new study says its wintering grounds are restricted to just central and southern Brazil. Kind of a very uh, picky bird, mm-hmm. but it seems to be working out so far. We hope it uh, stays that way. Hey, we might have time for a quick bonus question. Would you like to try it? Sure. This is... <laughs> you don't sound that sure. <laughs> uh, we'll do this quickly for a wisdom okay. supply certificate. A respected scientific institute in Poland has just classified which of the following as an invasive alien species? A, the house sparrow. B, the house finch. C, the house cat. Or D, the house guest. Oh, my mother-in-law. <laughs> okay. What do you think? Which one of those? Um... The house sparrow? It's actually not the house sparrow. It's the house cat. We'll talk more about next week about why they said that. It's a bit of a controversy, as you might expect. But the house cat declared there by a scientific institute in Poland as an invasive alien species. Dory, stay on the line, and we'll arrange to send you those other beautiful prizes. Thank you. Thanks for calling. The Veery, our mystery bird. Next week, best-selling author and acclaimed cartoonist Rosemary Mosco will explain why we should appreciate pigeons. Talk about her new book, A Pocket Guide to Pigeon Watching, getting to know the world's most misunderstood bird. Thanks for being with us, and see you next week. Ray
1: Brown's Talking Birds.
0: Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com.
1: By Vortex Optics with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com.
0: And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com.
1: And Video Books, an independent family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world studiobooks.com